Well, hi there, and welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. Today, we're back in Judges, looking once again at the life of Samson. Chapter 16 is where we catch up with Pastor Jesse today, looking at those first three verses. Who is Samson? Well, we found out he's a sinner like the rest of us, but how did this come about to be God's man for the hour, this gross sinner? Well, that's what we're exploring today, and as we begin our time together, we're reminded of our own journey in grace and how it started with getting caught. Here's Pastor Jesse with the details on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. He started way deep down in your soul and agitated you physically, created some anxiety about what you was doing. It just wasn't cool. And then you tried to drink your way into numbness. Remember? Y'all remember? But you can't out, you can't drink the Holy Ghost away. Have you figured that out? No, he works way too intimately down in your soul. He'll tell you, you ain't that drunk. The lights are still on quite a bit in the house. And then that conviction rises up to the conscience. The conscience starts wrestling with, I'm in the wrong place. I done done the wrong thing. And now I got to deal with whatever consequences come because I'm caught. Like when you're caught, you have no ability to dictate the outcome. You don't. That's why you really don't want to get caught. You have no ability to dictate the outcome. That's what makes being caught so miserable. When you're caught, The throne of God knows it, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The holy angels know it. The devils know it. And your conscience knows it. Maybe nobody else on this terra firma knows it, but you, the devils, the angels, and the true and the living God knows your call. You listening to me? And it don't matter that everybody in the world is completely oblivious to what you're going through. You know, because you've been born again, man, I'm caught. Is that right? And if God is gracious to you, and he will be, if you're a child of the living God, it'll go from a deep anxiety to a conscious recognition of your inability to a level of groaning to which you will start crying in your soul. Lord, have mercy on me. I have been trapped by the cords of my own iniquity. And you start crying out to God, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, deliver me. Because somebody else did that for you. You listening? That's why I've entitled this message. Samson said, Lord, I'm sorry. Pastor, where you get the justification from that? Because I know God. And I know what it means to be a sinner. I know what it means to call upon God when you are in trouble. Call upon me 
in the time of trouble and I will deliver you, saith the Lord, and you will glorify me. I know what that's like. I know what that's like. Do you? I know that he's a glorious savior. I know that he's a very present help in time of trouble. I know he'll get you just before you hit the ground. I know he'll pick you up after you fall. I know God will deliver you seven times over because that's his promise to his blood-bought people. A just man will fall seven times, yet shall he stand. He's going to be ugly when he stands, but he's standing. Are y'all hearing me? So our boy Samson is in a situation where he's hanging out with a chick that he doesn't love. He's lusting her, but he's not loving her. Told you your desires can get all twisted and jacked up. Am I making sense? Oh, he probably told her. He probably spit some game on her. Girl, I love you. He probably didn't. He probably didn't. But he got it mixed up. And he's now in this narrow window of a trap for which his enemies now feel like they have surrounded him. This is an Armageddon motif. For those of you who have been taught properly, the Armageddon motif. The enemies will always encompass about the saints, particularly when the saints are in precarious situations. This is the way David said it in the Psalms over and over. Lord, deliver me. My enemies have surrounded me. And they're waiting for my fall. Read it for yourself, Psalm 41. They say, when will he fall? So that we may tell everybody his, his evil disease has caused his harm and his death. David would talk to God like that. David would talk to God about his precarious situation and what the enemies are saying about him. And these would be church folk. David is suffering a sickness, probably the same kind of little creatures that you get when you run up in the harlots. You know the little creatures. That's what these young people don't understand. There's a bunch of little creatures. If COVID has taught us anything, it ought to have taught us that there's a whole universe of little creatures out there. You got time for me? A whole universe of little creatures that will ride on your back, on your butt, on your head, in your ear, in every orifice in your body. And it doesn't mind transferring at the station. So when you leave, it leaves you and transfers to the other person. And this is the thing that young people have to understand. You can pick up some new DNA viral dust and it can just make your life uncomfortable is that good language uncomfortable you go what happened here it was that night that evening that day and you don't realize your life is permanently changed by that one ill-advised decision to buy into the pseudo savior the false comforter and the lying satisfaction. 
And this is the motif running from Genesis to Revelation, just in case some of you are ready to launch to the next level of comprehension. The whore is always a metaphor in the Bible of the person that deviates from God's covenant whether the men or the women. All through your Bible, it talks about whoredom and adultery. Jesus indicted Israel for being a, an adulterous and wicked generation. All the minor prophets did. Are y'all listening to me? All the minor prophets did. Do you know what that indicates in terms of what we are, where we are in our text? Are you ready? And I shared this with you too. I said that Samson, not Samson, but the judges, rulers... Rulers are often mere reflections of the culture they rule. Did that make some sense? As the priests, so were the people. As the judges, so were the citizens. If the king be wicked, the people will also be wicked. That's what Solomon knew. Now, did Solomon know something about strange women? That brother went on a long run, didn't he? A long run. And he's getting ready to teach you and me that you got to be stupid when you go down that path. A man void of understanding. And that you're about to be trapped and go to hell because the whore represents hell. Hell. And the only way you're going to escape her is by the grace of God. No other way. No other way. So point number one in our outline, so let's walk through this really quick so I can show you something awesome and glorious. And let's remember what the New Testament says. This is Romans chapter 15, verse 4. These things were written for our what? So are we going to learn something today or do you already know something? Because if you already know, you can get up and leave. You didn't already pass the class. But if you want to learn something, open your mind to some levels of insight that God may give you to help you and help other people. Because the motif of fornication and adultery is a grand archetype of us always seeking satisfaction somewhere else but the grace of God. And there's none excluded in this precarious, pathological, redemptive narrative, except one. And it ain't me. And it's not you. Y'all got an idea who it is? So the scripture says, for whatever things were written aforetime, they were written for you and I to sit down, be quiet, listen, and learn. In order that we might, through not just patience, endurance, perseverance, Because that's what sanctification is about. Perseverance, isn't it? Course correction and staying between the lines and asking God for grace not to violate the course. Because if you don't run lawfully, you won't be crowned. We know that, don't we? If a man strive for the mastery, he or she will not be crowned if they run outside the lines. And what a waste to be under the hearing of the gospel and not run this race lawfully. Run this race lawfully, you got to walk by what? And you got to believe that God's grace is sufficient to keep you believing him, notwithstanding. That's really an important thing. Patience and comfort of the scriptures. You might have what? You might have what? Somebody came to me the other day, wrote to me, Pastor, why you keep talking about hope? 
Shouldn't we know? Shouldn't we K-N-O-W? Are you ready? N-O. N-O. See, this is the problem with, with phony Christians. Here's the problem with phony Christians. Phony Christians want to pretend like they know something. So they can go around telling people they know for sure. You don't know anything for sure. If this was about knowing for sure, there would be no such thing as faith. Faith is the substance of things, the evidence of things. So you don't know. God, not, God is not saving knowers. He's saving believers. Somebody shout amen. amen. See, see, so church folk love to say, I know, I know I'm saved. I know, I know, I know I'm saved. And then we got to take them to Matthew 7, where a whole bunch of people knew they were saved until Jesus said, but I don't know you. I know, I know I'm saved. I know, I know, I know I'm saved. But Jesus never knew them. So their knowing was a delusion. Pastor, we didn't mean for you to whip us this bad today. (laughs) If you substitute faith for certainty, you despise God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Did you hear what I just stated? So which one is God going to be more inclined to help? Somebody that hopes and believes and trusts what God says or somebody that knows? He's going to deliver the person trusting in God. Not knowing much of anything, but that God can't lie, change, or fail. Did that make some sense? This is why the church has not been helpful for the last hundred years, because everybody pretends they know something. John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, and this is the way you overcome this world. Not by knowing, but by faith. God gives me a promise. I'm asking for grace to be able to believe that promise until it comes to pass. I won't know until it comes to pass. Am I making some sense? Quit pretending you know. You knew yesterday you weren't going to sin until you sin. Then all of a sudden, you you didn't even know you didn't know. But that's bad. Isn't it bad when you don't know that you don't know going around tell people you know. And then you discover you didn't know. And you won't even be honest enough to admit, I didn't know. I was lying. I was pretending I knew and I didn't know. This is why, this is what I mean by learning from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. See, God is not calling you to be a knower. He's calling you to be a confessor. Do you understand what I mean? You agree with God. And you tell the whole story. Old Testament version of confession, tell the whole story. New Testament conversion of it, uh, interpretation of it is agree with God. You don't know anything. God knows everything. 
This is what we're getting ready to find out. Point number one, I want to work through this. Who is this man, Samson? Briefly, I told you before. Samson is somebody for whom we are certain, according to the scriptures, that he's in glory. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 34. I'm almost sure that's the right text. Now, verse 32. Hebrews 11, 32. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Is Gideon in heaven? And of Barak. Is it Barak in heaven? And both of those brothers was kind of shaky, weren't they? But they're not shaky now. And it wasn't because they walked by knowing. They walked by what? And there go my brother Samson. Like, unless God writes another Bible, my name is not there. I cannot be more sure of heaven than Samson. Did y'all get that? Please understand whatever you think about my brother. He's already in glory. You and I still trying to get there. So understand that the pathology of redemption means that you and I have to struggle with figuring out why we have these lapses. Right? Because that brother showing up in, he's been in for now some, third, uh, some now almost 3,000 years celebrating with the saints. Celebrating with the saints. Do you know that? Samson knows the, the redemption song in heaven. Those folks that cast down their crowns and fail before the throne saying hallelujah unto the lamb and the one that sits on the throne because you have redeemed us from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. Salvation belongs unto the Lord. Glory be unto his name. You and I haven't even been qualified to sing at that level of joy yet. We're still trying to figure out how to sing the songs of Zion. Dealing with the weather and the patterns and the distractions and the toils and the turmoils. Am I making sense? Can y'all endure me for another 45 minutes? Because it's so important, children of God, so important to learn the lessons. We see the deviation, don't we? But what we don't see is the recovery process that's already taking place with our brother. And a lot of times God won't show us that when we're watching other saints struggle. Now, if we've been there been, uh, and came back, we, we know that that whole process is something that can be a mystery where God is allowing us to look like a failure publicly while he's already delivering us in our soul. He's already rearranging our priorities. He's already convicting us of sin. He's already positioning us to wake up out of our foolishness. Like, here we go. Watch this. Y'all ready? When Samson goes into the fenced city, which was a remarkable uh, task, and then he enters into the harlot's house. And whatever was the actual physical occasion that he had with her, we have nothing else other than he went into her. We have much more of a narrative or or a pericope of the enemies of Samson surrounding the city. And here was their assumption. Are y'all ready? Listen to what it says. And it was told the Gazites. You know what that means? Somebody picked up on Samson. Brother, you can't be wearing long hair like that and don't expect somebody to figure out it's you. But on the other hand, is it possible that God is up to something? 
Is it possible that when you and I deviate from the course, we give signals to the enemy to be able to surround us with accusations? Is it possible that God allows that because our enemies play a role in God's purpose, his permissive will, because, you know, we act stupid in God's permissive will. We know what the precept says. You shall not commit adultery. But we cross that line anyway. Now we've crossed that line. You know what we're looking for? We're looking for God's sovereign. We're looking for God's redemptive will to actually help us negotiate our way through it. Now, are we not? Y'all miss that. Anytime you transgress God's preceptive will, you need God to come through redemptively. His redemptive will is the solution to you and I violating his preceptive will. Because otherwise, the only solution for God is to send us to hell. Every sin shall receive a just recompense of reward. Am I making some sense? So if you ever find yourself delivered after you have done stupid, understand it was God's permissive, it was its redemptive will that secured your exit strategy. So here's what they said. Achan passed him in and they laid wait for him all night. So yeah, the Philistines are stupid too. There it is. This is how stupid the Philistines are. You listen to them every day. You watch them every day. You buy their music. They're the ones that lied to you about making love to you all night long. So now you brothers know you lying. You know you lying. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand, brethren. Raise your hand. You're lying, brethren. You're lying. They might want you to lie to them, but I'm just telling you they're lying. Okay? And they said, we're going to sit here all night long because when you engage in illicit relations, the goal is to put you to sleep. So now believers are called to be awake. And I know that there's a love and intimacy and a conjugal relationship at the metaphorical level that brings about not a sleepiness, but an alertness, a quickening, a revelation up out of the slothfulness. When I enter in deep spiritual conjugal covenant relationship with God through Christ by the Holy Ghost, I learn more. I wake up more. I am more alert. I am more inclined, more resolved, more desirous to walk in his right standard. I want to walk in the light. I'm not a child of darkness. You listening to me? So there is that kind of love that causes you to see more comprehensively, spiritually. God never enters into a relationship with you to put you to sleep. That's the job of the whore. That's this world system you live in. That's Babylon. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. 
Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Say we love Jesus anyway.